I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Sure. I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror Eating pasta, primavera, feeding caca, be together People never know the wild shit we might say Grew up on Eddie Murphy, Jerky Boys, and Dice Play. I've been waking up nights, screaming Brooklyn Blast podcast Mama took my porn mags, jerkins, and a soft rags Easy when we talk about Mr. Ferrari Cause we go way back when we used to play Atari Sparked weed, taking shots like the Fratelli's RV Doing donuts in the parking lot at Arby's Car keys, now you can't leave, lock the door Please, Jimmy's on a mission. Time to start the intervention. Let's go. Episode 213 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast with my guest. He's a neighborhood guy, Mark Mengi, founder. We're going to get into it, but the Medal Allegiance, which I think is an incredible thing, especially I'm 45 years old and growing up on the on the bands of the people that are affiliated and are in Metal Allegiance, it's, it's ridiculous to me, bro. It's like, I just want to know, first of all, you're a neighborhood guy. Are you a Brooklyn guy? My, uh, my origins are Brooklyn, yes. My family's Brooklyn. My entire family. Actually. Nice. Uh, my family's Brooklyn. Um, I moved out to Long Island. Well, we, we moved out to Long Island when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, but I have spent a great shit ton deal of time in Brooklyn. What part? Uh, uh, Bensonhurst. Oh, I'm like right here. No, Beth, Beth Avenue. Dude, uh, I'm, th- I'm three blocks. I'm two blocks from Beth Avenue right now. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's my roots. Um, when I was pre-Metal Allegiance and, you know, my you know local bands and all that, I mean, Brooklyn was the place I always played. I was a regular Lamore. Um, you know, and you know, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, um, the other, the other shit island known as Staten. Of course, <laughs> I even played in the Bronx a lot. So you know, I hit every borough um, up and down. You know, back in my pre, you know, I guess professional days. If you right. Uh, you know, I cut my bones, man. It's funny. I I always fuck with Skullnick when when Alex and I are doing interviews and. They go into this whole new school, musically educated Berkeley. I'm like, fuck you, man. I grew up in the streets of New York City, dude. Damn right. That's where I got my education. There was always the the weird kid in high school that was like a fucking prodigy. And it's like, and like you would like get lessons from him. There was people like, I tried to pick up a guitar. I don't have patience and my fingers just don't bend that way. They might, but I just never had the patience to keep it up. I'd pay, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you the guy's name. It's like, you know, like, you know, $5 an hour and I'll start teaching you basic. I don't even know what, I was in some weird basement, like learning how to play the guitar or something. Like there was no professional shit going on when it comes to us. I don't know how old you are, but we're around the same age now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why before I pressed record, you, you said you were regular at Lemoore's. I was at Lemoore's all the time. I put a bunch of gigs there, man. We opened up a typo there. So I might have, I just, because I'll never forget a face ever. I'll forget your name. I'll never forget a face. And even if it's from 1991, like I'll still remember your face. So maybe that's why you look familiar to me. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I grew up in the New York scene, man. Um, before I cut my bones and pumping, you know, Ampeg 810 cabinets down the streets and, 
Yeah. That's up and down, you know. The, it was funny. I was talking to someone last week. He's like, hey, did you ever play the Acme Underground in New York City? I'm like, fuck, man, that place almost filled my back, dude. Because <laughs> you had a whip. To, they had no elevator. Right. Pump all your gear down two flights of stairs. Oh, it's the so, worst. <laughs> the worst, yeah. dude. And yeah. But that, that's where I grew up, man. That's where I really cut, where I learned how to play, where I really kind of honed in what I do, um, whether it was in front of four people on a Monday night matinee. Of course. You know, or the pack crowd at Lemoore, you know, Limelight, all those, you know, it was, um, that's really where I learned how to do it. And, it's funny. I kind of went backwards in life, you know. Um, you know, I didn't start playing, you know, professionally um, until after the corporate gig. After having, you know, I went backwards, man. You know, I always did the local band thing, and I humped yeah. around, and you know, I worked in the music business a long time behind the scenes, and you know, it's yeah. in the business aspect of it. And um, you know, so it just went backwards for me, you know, yeah. and. Um, and even now, you know, some of my best friends and dearest friends on this planet, are part, they're part of MA, some aren't, you know. Um, I see you wearing an anthrax shirt there, you know. One of my, one of my all time, for, for about 20 years, they were like my favorite band ever, dude. Charlie, you know, Charlie's like my brother. You know, he's where, you know, we're. Yeah. You know, and, you know, him and I have been doing a lot over the last, you know, during the pandemic and during. Yeah. COVID, and, you know, I talk to him daily, literally every day. Um, we're, we have four, we're doing, um, that's what I'm recording for right now. Um, yeah, you, yeah, earlier you said you were going to be recording today, but I wasn't nosy, so. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of tracks I'm doing today uh, that I, I was supposed to do last week, and and it was just like, come on, dude, <laughs> you know, you got to get in the yeah. And um, I'm literally in the middle of it. I mean, I have my own studio here um, at home, so I'm just kind of cranking along. So, um, yeah. yeah, man, it's just. You know, Charlie, you know, he's a great dude. Frankie, all the, I mean, all the Anthrax guys. I, I've yeah. been with them a long time. Yeah, I, um, it's funny because I'm waiting on it and it's, I have like a, I'm not going to get really into it because I'm going to be doing an episode with Danny Spitz soon. And um, it's, it's, it's funny how things work out. Like, I don't know, I'm not like a, it's like how the universe works sometimes. It's very strange. Um, my parents had a summer house in upstate New York. And I was, I think they bought that house in like 87. So I was like 11 years old and persistence of time. No, no state of euphoria was out. And, and, and what, what, but once, once I was up, there was a summer, I, I used to go up there every summer after school let out. So we bought that house and I see I'm wearing an anthrax shirt. I think it was um, the now it's dark shirt from state of euphoria right yeah, yeah. and on the back it says don't you fucking look at me and i'm walking down the street and i see this little small little red-headed old lady and she's walking towards me and she's like oh hi i'm like well hi and there i am i have a bell i'm a chubby kid i have a mullet an anthrax shirt on this is this little sweet old lady and she's like that's a really nice shirt now i didn't think anything i'm like well thank you she's like my son plays in that band. Oh, wow. And I'm like, really? She was like, yeah, I'm Irene. And I'm like, oh, how you doing? I'm Jimmy. My parents just bought a house down the road. I'm like, Irene. And she's like, Spitz. I'm like, so your son is Danny Spitz from Anthrax and Dave, the bass player for Black Sabbath for a little while. And she's like, yeah. I was like, holy shit. So like, 
two or three summers pass by and they're on a break from the persistence of persistence of time tour. And I, I hit up Danny on Instagram and I refresh his memory. He saw the He's like, yo, now I remember you. I'm like, here you are at like the peak of anthrax for the most part for that time. Persistence of time was there. Oh yeah, yeah dude. That was the peak. Yeah, It was, was right peak. before bring the noise and attacking. It was crazy. So here he comes. God only knows how many legs of the tour he just got off of. He comes to his parents' house in this country little summer community to get away from everything. Now here comes this chubby kid with an anthrax shirt and a mullet with like scrapbooks and like vinyl for him to sign and shit. I was like, yeah, that's all you needed. It was for me to break your balls. And he started laughing. He's like, ah, oh, it's all good, man. That's so cool. he's in the middle of moving right now. And I'm going to be doing an episode with him shortly. But um, I would love to get the anth- any anybody from Anthrax on because they're like my childhood, dude. Cool. Best. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know Danny, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, I know I I know him, but I don't know him like I know the other guys. Mm-hmm. Well, in particular, he has a big consistency in the band since like '06 or some shit. Yeah. Was it? And, yeah. And we talked then, and you know, I've always been super tight with Frankie and Charlie. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just one of those things. And, um, yeah. You know, but it's funny. Um, speaking of anthrax, do you remember that it was probably around a Persistence of Time tour? I think it was, but I went under the name Satan's Lounge Band and I played that, up more. That was my first show ever in my entire life. Yeah. Ever. Dude, with the camouflage amps, like I remember that was my first ever. I've said that on this podcast. This is episode 215, probably about 160 times. Uh, Damn man, my first show ever, Satan's Lounge Band. So here's a story about that. A bunch of years ago when I was talking to Charlie, I was putting uh, putting together these things called Metal Masters. Mm-hmm. Charlie and Frankie and Kerry King and Phil Anselmo and we were doing a second one in New York. I'm like, hey, man, would, uh, would Satan's Lounge Band open up for the Metal Masters? He's like, what? <laughs> and uh, we did it. We got it. We, we, we made it happen. Um, really? Yeah, Satan's Lounge Band opened up. It was, it was, let's see, the night before or two nights before the Yankee Stadium Big Four show. Oh, shit. Really? Uh, at the Best Buy Theater uh, in Manhattan. And it was yep. awesome because they played for about an hour and a half. It was daylight. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon. Right. So, it was like it was early. I remember it was in the afternoon. We they did the gig and then we went into our clinic where Dave Ellison's up there teaching you how to play bass. And you know, Frankie comes back and teaching you to do this. And then we ripped into a set, which nobody knew. We didn't tell anybody where we did a Pantera set and Phil came out. And that was his first time doing Pantera songs. Wow. Including Pantera. And this was in 2011, 12, 11, somewhere over there, whenever that Yankee Stadium Big Four show was. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I was speaking to Charlie today. I was like, hey, man, when's Satan Clown Band playing again? (laughs) Oh, dude. I mean, so fucking good. And a lot of people didn't know because, you you know, just I'm just saying this because people just might not know who, who are listening or watching this. It's a lot of really big bands would play Lamores, yeah. but they would have to go under an alias because the place would just get overrun. Charlotte, sometimes it was obvious. 
It's like, yeah, you would call up and you would get the recording, but it's like, oh, next Saturday, Angel of Death. It's like, you know, that's fucking Slayer, dude. You know what I mean? But but some of my friends were like Satan's Lounge Band. I'm like, I know that's Anthrax because I had all the vinyl and it was it was on the flip side of the 12 inch single European import of I Am The Law. It was a flip side. It was the flip side. It was Satan's Lounge Band and a song called Buddy Love Bomb. Are you ready? Oh, I'm fucking ready, dude. I fucking, I'm, I hate you right now. That's awesome, bro. It's funny this is out because I, I pulled these for Charlie because he doesn't have any. It's a ticket. Oh, he doesn't have any? Does he want that for his own collection? Yeah, he's like, can you, can you send them to me? So I pulled them out. And, he's like, listen, I'll give you like a color scan, like on photo paper. At least it's thicker. Yeah, no, and I found a bunch. Um, and what brought this all up is because I found, um, I'm gonna, I just redid my studio. I have a whole complex down here now. Nice. And I found a box of these. I was like, holy shit. That's <laughs> And uh, I texted it to Charlie. So he made me pull them aside and I have all the passes. And so, yeah, man, this is a, um, this is a fun day. I'm sure, man. That's awesome. I get, you have like say, the murder in the front. Like I collect all kinds of shit like that, man. It's the great. In the front row, they were dumb enough to put me in their movie. Yeah. You know? Why were they dumb enough? Yeah, I don't get. I still don't understand why they did it. Why not, dude? You're in a band with fucking legendary people, and now if people don't fucking know who's the main group of Metal Allegiance. It's you, Dave Ellison, obviously of Megadeth. Alex Skolnick of Testament and Mike Portnoy of, well, I think Mike Portnoy, I think Dream Theater, but he's also Winery Dogs, all that stuff. But the dude's been in, uh, fucking guy's a ridiculous legend. But what's awesome is that you always switch out singers, which is, I mean, there's, it's like, who haven't you had on stage? I mean, all right, Randy from Lamb of God, you have, Phil and Rex from Pantera. Fucking dude, a surprise Giza Butler played with you guys. That's like you can't get higher than that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, trust me, man. It's Phil and Mickey from Motorhead. You got fucking Alyssa from fucking Arch Enemy. You have John Bush. You have the Anthrax. You have Gary Holt, Zetro. Like it's it's ridiculous, bro. Yeah, no. It's so fucking cool. And, and, you know, it's funny, that Metal Masters that I spoke about really was the, um, I wouldn't say it was the catalyst. It, it put the gears into motion because when that happened, it was like, man, we have something, we have something cool going on here. You know, uh, who, the now, fuck, who does a clinic in Times Square, Manhattan, <laughs> right? right? It's never been done before at that point. Up until that point in time, no one had the balls to do something like that. and. Um, how did you form that? Let's back up a little bit because I want, I'm forgetting that this is even being recorded right now. I want to know for me, like, all right, coming for, I'm putting myself in your shoes because we're around the same age and we come from the same spot, Lemoore's and all that stuff. Now you, obviously you had to grow up listening basically to the same shit that I have. Yeah, of course. You know, all the thrash metal from the Testaments to the anthrax to all that. Yeah. Now, who was the first person 
that you got in contact with or met through somebody or whatever to get this whole ball rolling. Shit, man, we could be here all night if I tell that story. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you can jump around. You can skim the surface. You don't have to paint this whole giant well, picture, but. Dude, it's, you know, I was always, I don't know, man. Um, I've been playing, like this bass, for example. This has been with me since day one. Awesome. Right? And um, like I said, I grew up playing in the city, in Brooklyn, and, you know, doing what I do. I went to college graduated college i got a gig in the music industry did you go to kingsborough like every other knucklehead in the neighborhood no i actually went to art <laughs> school i went to art school okay uh, i went to farmingdale on the islands and i had a really good art program and um that's where i went and i you know i did really well there i graduated and uh, i remember uh when i was my senior year jim didario the heir of the didario strength i mean the jim didario was at our our um art night of whatever you wanted to call it. And he saw that I did all this cool Jimi Hendrix shit and everything I did was music. Yeah. He came up to me. He's like, ah, oh, that's awesome. You're graduating. You know, we're looking for, you know, um, an artist, someone like you, a graphic artist. Um, wow. Dude, yeah. that's right place, right time. Shit. Right place, right time. And uh, the day I graduated college, the next day I started working. And then from there, I just, you know, you work at that point, I'm in the music business and, you know, and I was, you know, I was the coffee getter, the, of course, you know, I was wiping people's asses and, you know, doing all the things that people at that level do. And I was happy to do it. I was very oh, happy. Yeah. And, um, and at that point in time, they needed somebody to work with um, a guitar player. They wouldn't say who, and they wanted that person to design all their guitar, their signature guitar straps. Um, they wouldn't tell me who. Uh, they put me on a plane to San Francisco, the Bay Area. Now, again, I'm a kid. Oh, okay. Right. What do you, when you think of Bay Area, what do you think of? Metallica, Slayer, Exodus. Exodus, violence. Exodus. Yeah, dude. So I get to the Bay Area, and I'm green, man. And it wasn't any of them. <laughs> but it was, it was Joe Satriani. Sick. And, and, you know, Joe and I are super close friends. Where We are now, you know, we have a relationship with 20-plus years. He was the first artist that not, not only welcomed that a professional that welcomed me, um, but that's really kind of how my career started was with wow. Joe and it stemmed and I left there. I went, you know, I, I did good work over the years and I, you know, got offered more money and different gigs and built a really healthy career. And, and through that, I met everybody, you name them from, from Zetro to Stevie wonder man to, you know, really? and you name them. I've worked with them. And um, and that's how Metal Masters was born because again I'm a fan, dude. At the end of the day, I'm a fan. Yeah. I was like, man, no one's doing fucking, you know, they're talking clinics and music, music education and this and that. If I was a kid, I'd pay you a lot of money to see Steve Harris and Cliff Burton side by side. You goddamn right. That's what I would want to see. So who do I know? I can't get Cliff Burton, unfortunately, who's my hero, has passed away. Um, but who can I get to do? Who's realistic enough to do this? Well, I'm good friends with Frankie and Dave. I wonder if they would do it. And this is right. Dave, Dave Elson. Dave Elson. Elson. Okay. So, I know that Dave Lombard. Okay. Come on. Sorry. But that's the thing. So I, and this is right when he kind of got back into Megadeth. Big four shit was starting to brew. It was, you know, that thrashing was coming back and you know, again, yeah. right place, right time. We did one in Manhattan. Uh, New York City uh, on 48th Street. And then the next day we went to Boston 
came back home and then Charlie called me. He's like, yeah, man, I saw what you did. And, you know, two, you know, Frankie and Dave together. It would be awesome to join him. And as he's wow. talking to me, Mike Portnoy emailed me. He said, hey, man, I saw those clips you did. It would be cool to do that. I was like, dude, fucking Portnoy just emailed This is weird. I was like, fucking awesome. Two bass players, two drummers. What two drummers, do? yeah. And of that caliber, fucking Charlie and Portnoy. You're like, what? So All we right. did it. So we did Metal Masters 1 the night before the Indio Big Four show in California, the first one in the States. And when I shit you not, there was about 1,500 kids at the small little music store, helicopters circling in the air. The neighborhood didn't even know what to fucking do with themselves. And that that was the point where I was like, this, we fucking got something. And then hence Metal Masters 2 in Times Square. And then three, four, five, and then we blew it up. And then in 2014, I burned out and I quit the music industry altogether, never to be seen again. Why? <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah, you know, I was in it for so long and I burned out, man. I, I, yeah. I had a lot of shit going on in my personal life. I really, you know, yeah. shit out of my control in my personal life. I had two, I have two kids. And there was a point where I was like, do I continue this trend? Or do I want to be a dad? See you later, music. I want to be dad. Of you know, course. Anyone who knows me knows my boys, my world. Same here with my daughter. I have an 11 year old girl, that's it. They're my world. Everything else is second, third, fourth, thirty. Goddamn right. Um, and I gave it up. I quit. I, I left it all behind. You know, that's it. I'm done. You know, um, and, I, and I made that decision. Um, it was shortly after Metal Masters 5, and I jammed Killers on stage with Kerry King and all these guys, and I'm out there playing. You know, I was just going at it. And then right after that, it was like I burned. I just burnt out, man. It was just a lot going on. I've been doing it at that point a long time. Yeah. And then Dave Ellison called me during that summer of 2014, and he just kept calling and calling, and I, was, I wouldn't answer his phone calls. I was like, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm checked out. I'm going to, going to the beach with my kids, or I'm going to this place. And I'm, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm serious. I'm done, dude. Uh, yeah. The business does that to you. You know, the, the music business does that to you. And, um, and then one day I was at my local taco spot having a margarita, or 12. Oh, 12? And, and just the light bulb went off, Metal Allegiance. I was like, and I just kept drinking them and drinking them and drinking them. I was like, Allegiance, loyalty. That would be fucking cool. Something I could control. Then I started coming up with this shit. Literally, from that spot, I called my lawyer up. I was like, hey, man, can you trademark this name for me? Here's a logo. And I drew it on a napkin. <laughs> hey, sometimes it works that way, man. And then we had um, one of the guys who does a lot of the anthrax art. He refined it and did it a lot better. The MA logo, as you know it. Yeah. Um, Charlie used to do a lot of that artwork, right? Yeah, he still does. But yeah, it's incredible. That's where MA started. And then about a month or so later, Dave called me. He's like, dude, listen, you did the hard part. You got everybody together. Everyone, you got them, you got all of us together. What are you doing? I was like, I'm done, dude. And then he called me again. <laughs> and he's like, dude, Megadeth bailed off the Motorhead cruise. Can we can we do something with Metal Masters? I'm like, no, but you know what? I just came up with this idea, this name. I got a trademark. This that's called Metal Allegiance. He's like, dude, you hung up on me. <laughs> and 30 seconds later, the promoter from Motorboat called me, and we struck a deal. MA was booked, and the rest is history. And um, and on that boat is where we came up with the idea to write music and. 
do records and have different singers and it just everything stemmed from that cruise. Who sang on that first show ever? Phil. Philip was the first. Uh, Phil and Selmo, Chuck Billy, Joey Belladonna. Right. Oh. Those are the yeah. I believe it. I, I'm, if I'm missing anybody, I apologize. But that I, Philip, yeah, Philip, Chuck, and Joey were the three singers. And it, you know, <laughs> with the exception of Joey, you know, with the exception of Joey, um, they were all part of Metal Masters, right? So I had literally, I called them. I called up like 30 guys. I was like, "Hey, I'm doing this. Would you do it? I'm in." Hung up. Hey, I'm doing this thing called Metal Legions. You doing it? Yep, I'm in. It was just one after the other, and almost too easy. Yeah, sounds like it's almost too easy. I'm sure there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. There is, but it was was a thing we developed over years. It was a friendship. It was a it was a trust thing. you know, I dare anyone to try to do what I did. And, and I would say good luck because, again, if, yeah. you, don't, if you don't have that relationship, um, it's really hard. And um, and MA, MA has its challenges, man, because, again, you're dealing with schedules and conflicts and there's a lot, a lot of moving pieces. But, you know, on that first boat, that's where it was like, you know, let's do let's write some music together. Let's do this. You know, and I still and Alex still wasn't even a part of it. Alex did not do the, Alex was not involved with MA on that first ever gig. Who played guitar? Uh, we had Chris Broderick. Okay. Right. The second gig on that boat, you know, again, we did, you, there's two shows on the cruise. Okay. First day, then you have off a day, then you do the third day, which is the last day the, the boat's out there. That middle day, we docked in Cozumel, Mexico. And, um, and again, margaritas and tacos were in play on this. All right. Uh, I went, I went off by myself on a little adventure. <laughs> Sometimes that has to happen. Came back a little uh, inebriated. And um, I saw Alex eating dinner with the anthrax guys. And I had a straw hat on. And just, awesome. You were feeling yourself in Mexico, bro. A giant drink. And they're like, hey, Mark, you know Alex? I'm like, I know him. He's playing with us tomorrow night. He's like, I am? I was like, yeah, I just booked you. And I, I went and passed out. Right. Next, oh, next day he jammed us, and that's how, that. That was the relationship that really you know started all. And Alex, he's like my kindred musical spirit. We do a lot together now, and and it started out with a margarita in your hand, hammered in Mexico with a straw hat on. Here we go again. <laughs> Amazing. That's it's fucking awesome. And um, yeah, but on that boat though, you know, we we came home, we started writing. You know, we wrote, recorded, mixed mastered had over 25 musicians signed a record contract nuclear blast and released a record in nine months all that was done in nine months fuck now imagine that it's 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 ridiculous to to even imagine but i know for a fact it happened because of the first record like it's ridiculous and nine months and um and you know it was it was if you would have asked me nine months prior to that, if that was possible, if you would even ask me on motorboat, if that was possible, I would have laughed in your face. Uh huh. At the end of the day, I'm a kid from New York. Yeah. 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 But then what you know, what's, what's great is that uh, you, you're dealing with all of these seasoned professionals and I'm the hardest on myself. Exactly. You just nailed it. So you have seasoned professionals, right? Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the hardest on myself, man. 
I rehearse. All, all of us are our own biggest and, fucking critic. In, in practice, I'll make my hand bleed until I practice because I'm the guy who can't screw up. Because if I do screw up on stage or hit that wrong note or doing all this shredding shit and I just miss one step, who are they going to point their finger at? It's me because I'm not the guy everyone knows. I'm not that seasoned pro. Um, so I'm the hardest on myself and I put the most pressure on myself. Um, especially- and, you're the guy, and you're the guy that put this whole thing together. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm my worst critic. I of am course. I'm hard. A lot of us are. Yeah, I am my own worst critic, man. You know, you know how like athletes they go back and watch film. Yeah, uh-huh. go back and listen to audio and watch the shows, and I go, "What am I doing there? How am I playing it? Where's my finger position? I'm out of my fucking mind." <laughs> you know? I get it. I get it, man. Yeah. Because I can't. You know, I'm the guy on stage that no one really they kind of know now, maybe a little bit, but back then it was like, "Who's this asshole?" doing up with up there with these dudes you fuck off the stage that's yeah, yeah i'm the one that put this whole fucking thing together so smarten up kids but that's the thing though that's still in my head you know i'm recording right now you know and again it has to be perfect man i can't send charlie or alex or whoever i'm recording with the bum track right and again i it needs to be on point of course and, uh, what are you so- recording right now what is it for can you say or no yeah, recording with Charlie and Alex. We're doing a bunch of more, a bunch of more tunes um, for Metal Allegiance. No, oh, <laughs> hey, um, you know, Alex and I started a new project. Okay, that is completely not metal at all. Um, There's nothing wrong with that, man. No, I know. Um, yeah, I'm just, I, dude, I've never been busier. So, so again, that crazy shit i put myself through i guess works because they still want to play you know they want to play with me still <laughs> you know yeah, and then, and, they and, want to play with it and then you have bpmd oh with phil and Blitz. which is awesome dude yeah, yeah i had a conversation with phil that was fucking fun as hell man he's he's playing riffs in his old in the house that he bought and he's sitting his studio area is his old childhood bedroom i just thought that was the coolest thing ever yeah, I mean, he was awesome on that record, man. It was great to work with him in a recording atmosphere. You know, he did a few guest solo spots on MA Records. Yeah. But to actually get in a room with him and really record a record. Yeah. You know, and he was super hard on himself, too. It was like, he would always text, is it good enough? Is it? I'm like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? That's just incredible, man. Yeah, if, I, I, think, I think I'm a huge violence fan, huge fan of violence. And I think he's so underrated. He is, man. He's and, you know, for, super underrated. And he'll tell you this for years and years, even back 10, 15 years ago, almost 20 years ago, every time I spoke to him, the first thing I would always, and I wouldn't say, hey, man, how are you? When's violence getting back together, dude? I, would, so, I am so fucking happy and cannot yeah. wait. And unfortunately, violence. violence got back together and came to Brooklyn. And I was, I was at the last Slayer show at the Garden that night. And I missed, I missed violence. Me too. And I was, I was, I was, I was watching Slayer. And I wasn't even at Slayer. Ah, what were you doing? Hanging out my kids, man. I, I'm not mad at that. So that's the thing, man. I, I, even with to that, to this day, I, the only way for me to get back into the do this, it's kids first, everything else. Of course. And even like Philip, because Philip was on that tour, and Kerry was like, "Where the fuck are you?" Like, hey man, I'm at football practice, man. <laughs> you know, it, it's, can't be mad at you for that, man. No, and that, 
and that's why it works still. And that's why, because it, I, it's finding balance, man. And sure. Without a doubt. Even to this day, it's, it's, I have to find balance. You know, I've been in this business a long time now, you know, 20 yeah. something years. You know, violence will be back though. They'll be back. No, I know. And, you know, Phil would, he would text me from the studio, dude, you would love this riff or, you know, when we're, they're recording, he's like, dude, I was thinking about you about the, cause he knows I'm a huge violence fan. Oh, dude. Yeah. I had three out of the four of them on here. I was like bugging out in my head. Like once this whole pandemic thing, so, cause I would always only do this face to face audio only. Yeah. And then once this whole thing happened, Billy from bio has it hit me up and was like, yo, let's do like a video thing. So it started this zoom thing to keep the podcast going. You know what hey, I mean? changed. It's, hey, it's, it's the way of the world now. And, and yeah. it ain't going away anytime soon, man. Even when things are back in full swing, you know, it's not going to be the same at all. You no, know, because if you're a kid, right, and you're going to a gig at, let's say, the garden, why can't the dude from Tokyo live stream in and buy a virtual ticket? Now that all the shit's implemented, you know they're going to, you, you know, the promoters are going to abuse this. Now that it's all goes in. Of course. So, all this. Video- but there's nothing like a lot. Like, I see, like, there's so many bands, oh, we're going to do a virtual live thing. It's like, that's cool, but I want to go to a show. I want to go. To a show, dude. I haven't played a gig. January, it was January 2020. That's a year and what three months ago. Yeah, dude. I wouldn't even know what to do on stage right now. Probably. <laughs> yeah, you'd be all fucked up. I'm sure. All the musicians would be just fucked up. I'm you know, sure. You know, and um, it was funny. I, I was telling uh, Alex, I want our first gig back to be in the Bay Area. Though I don't even want it to be in New York. I want to go to the Bay Area. Okay. Um, go out. Come out. Why a little nervous in front of hometown crowd? Nah, man. Bay Area. It's you know what's weird, man, with MA, more so than anywhere in the way. We played everywhere. Um, West Coast, dude, dude, you could count on a pit for two and a half hours of full blown getting the shit kicked out of each other. It's just it's that's how I want to get back. I wanna I wanna go I don't blame you. Full guns blazing. Yeah, New York, we we have this fucking attitude here. It's like this. It's like you impress me now. It's exactly that. Yeah, I was gonna do the same thing. Yeah, that's what it is, man. And and when we played the Bay Area last, it was for that for the Murder in Front Row um, premiere. You know, we did we they premiered the movie at the uh, Kabuki, which is a famous Bay Area venue where Metallica everyone played. And then we um, we had to play a sold out gig at the Fillmore that night, and you know it was the last time I saw Ray Burton, and wow. um, just a lot of things happened that day, and that crowd was out of freaking control. And I'll never forget what Gary Holt said to me after the gig. He's like, "Dude, that's what a Bay Area crowd is. What you just experienced is what we experienced when we were teenagers coming up. It, it was that." Oh, dude! Like, I- it was awesome. You know, it was awesome to be a part of that. It was awesome to to play. And it was awesome to be in Exodus for three songs that night, you know, to be in that band, you know, to play with them and, you know, the H team with Rick and Rick coming back for a surprise appearance and Gary and Tom and Zetro, you know, they asked me, what songs do you want to do? You know, what'd you pick? Uh, Bonded by Blood, of course, uh, Toxic Waltz. And and then there were none. Okay. Um, Which is one of my favorites off the Bonded record. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to say fuck MA. Let's do a whole Exodus set. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that either. I would have pissed off a bunch of people uh, in the band. <laughs> and uh, we actually were going to do six songs, 
and uh, I had them ready to go, you know, uh, a lesson of violence, you know, I want to do Corona, you know, uh, you know, but again, I have the politics of MA to deal with now, you know, right. and, you know, so, and we hijacked the MA set literally right in the middle. Tom brought out his drum set. <laughs> you know, was, we just hijacked it and it was awesome, man. And, um, yeah, so to say a lot, you know, I've done some cool shit and um but Got a lot of fucking cool shit, man. I'm still the kid from New York though, you know, and yeah, uh, you'll always be the kid from New York. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but there's always there's something about that that whole Bay Area thing, maybe because obviously I'm from the East Coast and you know, before the internet and stuff, you know, I'd read magazines, Metal Maniacs, a Rip magazine and all that stuff. And then I don't have it with me now, but it's in the living room. I have um, do you remember? I, I had Sean Killian on here and I was like, this is what turned me on to violence. It's a VHS tape. It's the hard and heavy thrash and thrash and speed metal special. That was what turned me on to violence. And I'm like, yo, and it, like, I'm for like, I was looking at that whole VHS tape and I started hitting up random people from the Bay area to see if they would do this. And I got a lot of them on here, which was really fucking cool. But there was always something about that Bay area scene and just the, the how violent and how active and crazy they were it's like yeah i'm biased i'm a new york guy but that whole bay area thing man is let me tell you something about those dudes man. second to none dude dude they are welcoming they will welcome you with open arms they every single every one time. of them that i had on here was the coolest, nicest. Sean Killian was thanking me. I was like, dude, thank you for your time. And like, thank you for, you know, actually doing this. He's like, what? Being on your show to help promote my band? Like, thank you, bro. My 14-year-old self was flipping out in my head. Like, that's just the coolest shit ever. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's humbling. Um, It is. And uh, and even to this day, man, you know, I get asked and, and whatnot. You know, and I'm like, listen, I'm grateful for these guys for allowing me on stage. Yeah, I created it, but to trust me enough to write with, to put out all these records and songs and recording, God knows how many songs I recorded at this point, and God knows how many gigs I played with them, but to even allow me on that stage, because again, there has to be a level of trust there. You know, because Portnoy or Alex, these guys are virtuosos. They're not going to step foot on the stage for someone to make them sound like shit. Absolutely not. You know, so for, I'm still to this day humbled and grateful by that. And even like Blitz, you know, to do a record with him. Fuck. Still, you know, it's, you know, I still, you know, I still get excited by it. And, and, and I'm still, you know, again, that kid and fan. But again, at the end of the day, I have to level things out because I'm also not that 14 year old kid anymore. Of course not. And we have, I have a 15 year old kid now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably just, it's crazy, isn't it? It's yeah. fucking nuts. I know. And um, if that 15 year old kid even knew. <laughs> oh, God. Thank yep. God there was no internet or phones yeah. or nothing when we were coming up, right? And yeah, but that's the thing, man. So I level it out. Yeah. And again, I'm recording. You know, I got this cool studio and I'm tracking in here right now. I usually have an engineer come in. But I knew we were doing this, so I was like, "Yeah, he was here earlier." And I was like, "Yeah, tonight we'll we'll call it." And um, are you in Long Island right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I wasn't sure where you were. That's why when I first hit you up, I was like, "Yeah, I do it Eastern time," because I I wasn't sure where you lived to. Yeah, I'll be. I'm actually going to um, going to uh, LA um, 
supposed to go in May, but I'm waiting to get to the, I'm going to get the vaccine. I'm waiting to get it. Uh, that way I'm fully vaccinated before I start flying all over the freaking, you know, place. Again. Planet. Yeah. You know, and again, well, COVID, who the fuck knows, man? I don't even, who knows what's going to happen? I have no idea, but I'm going to join the vaccine party. I haven't gotten my shot yet, but I'm, I, I'm scheduled to get it mid-May. Okay. And I want to do, I'm going out to the West Coast to do more of this and, yeah, man. You know, get the train rolling again. Continue your life. Yeah. Yeah. Do what's fun because if, if I mean, uh, I don't know, who the fuck knows, man. It's crazy. It's like, I know that Chuck Billy had it really bad. There's a bunch of guys that had it really bad. I had it in December. It was the worst. You did? Thing. It was horrible. I was, I came that close to checking myself into the hospital. Um, was, I missed Christmas completely. Um, I had it during the holidays. And uh, I felt myself uh, one day I was sitting, I was sitting right here. I was like, Ooh, shit. It's just like that. It was literally just, like, I felt great in the morning. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was like, man, body just what's going on. I'm tired and achy. And I, was, I thought it was a call, you know, wintertime call. Yes, I, was, I wasn't buying into the COVID thing yet. Right. Uh, and that night it was awful. And then the next day it was shivering, freezing, and then sweating, freezing. I'm like, Oh, fuck. Wow. I went, got tested, waited my three days, which were horrible. Got the result and positive. And it was bad fever um, for one day. Then I felt somewhat good the next day. Then terrible fever for two days. And then I felt okay again. It was like a viral roller coaster, dude. And um, crazy. And this is before the shortness of breath shit happened. <laughs> shit. Right. And so then that happened and I couldn't breathe. And I remember it was like two o'clock in the morning and I woke up, I couldn't breathe. I was like, I was like, I'm going to go to, I was like, fuck it. You know, and I was getting fucking pissed. Yeah. And I was like, motherfucker, screaming. I was like, fuck you. And I started cursing it out. I'm like, hey. I started yelling at myself. Of course. I, I completely get it. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't going to fuck. Fuck you. I'm beating it. You know, no, no, no. The next day I felt, I, it bro I broke it. And the next day I felt better. And, you know, from there, you know, lack of energy and, you know, it just slowly, you know, it wasn't until probably mid to end of February where I started to really get my energy back. Right. You know, but it knocked my ass out, man. And really knocked me out. Completely yeah. Yeah. Out. It's, it's like my, my girl's parents had it and on paper, they didn't stand a chance. They were good. in like after two weeks, I was talking with Ricky Rackman on here and we were all done. And it was like hindsight's 2020. We were all done. And I hit him up and he didn't get back to me for like three days, which was weird because we had like this whole back and forth going. And then he's like, dude, we need to redo it. I'm like, why? It was hilarious. It was so good. And he was like, well, a couple of hours later, I got really sick with COVID. And I'm like, really? And then towards the end of, I still have it recorded. It's not that we redid it and I put out the second version, but I still have it towards the end. He's sitting on a bean bag, eating a sandwich. He has like Ugg boots on. And he's like, it was hilarious. A, do a dog walks into the room with white carpet and wipes its ass on the carpet. It's shit that you can't make up. It was hilarious. That it wasn't duplicated in the second one, obviously. But then he was like, I'm really cold. He's like, I'm freezing, freezing in here. Uh, and then we kind of wrapped up and then. to hit him right then and there. Yeah. And then he told me, he's like, I don't remember anything we spoke about. 
that's what happened to me, man. I got, I was sitting here and I was like, oh shit. It was like, yeah, that's what made me think of. That's exactly what Ricky Rackman was doing. Yeah, yeah, man. And uh, it was just, I was, and I was like, come on. I was like, dude, it's hilarious. It's so good. He's like, bullshit. We're doing it over. I'm like, fine. Like, stop yelling at me. Fine. We'll do it. That's the thing, man. I, I'm that one night, that peak night, man, it was like 103 fever. I couldn't breathe. I'm literally yelling at nobody. And I'm like, fuck you. I ain't fucking going to a hospital. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Hospitals are the worst. And then during that whole time when everyone is in there who has. Oh. No. You don't want to deal with that. You don't need that shit in your fucking life. Yeah, I told my, my older boy, I was like, if you find me passed out on the floor, then you call. Right. Unless that happens. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Hospitals are the worst, dude. That's the way, but that's the way I live my life, man. It's just I'm clawing and scratching and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, you know, why MA works. I'm, you know, I'm out of my mind. I'm literally yeah. out of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're a New Yorker. We're not normal. No, we're not. And, not at all. But yeah, that shit's scary, man. And uh, I don't want to go through that again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you. I don't yeah. blame you. And um, like, I was like, eh, I'm, I'm like very eh, about the whole vaccine thing. I'm like, I wanted to like go on a little bit. Like, I don't want the beta version. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I agree with you. That's what. I, but if it's gonna, if I need to get it in order to bring my daughter on like vacation somewhere, yeah, then just like you, it's it's for my kid. Then I'll do it. Me, whatever. Where am I going anyway? You know what I mean. But my daughter wants to go to. She wants to go to Tennessee to the Titanic Museum. Why the Titanic Museum is in Tennessee? I don't know. But the Titanic Museums in in Tennessee, out of all places. I never knew this until my eleven year old hipped me to wow. it. Yeah. Wow. Her friend went, she wants to go. She's all about the Titanic and the history of it, which is really cool because she's 11 and she's all about that, which she could be into a lot worse things nowadays. You want to learn about the Titanic? She, she has an Instagram. She shared it to a story like 109 years ago today, the Titanic sunk and 1,517 people died and this whole thing. But awesome, I, man. It's awesome. Yo, I, I, thank God. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, so if, if, if I need to get the, the quote unquote jab in order to bring my daughter to the Titanic Museum and jump on a plane, I'm not driving 11 hours one way. I'm sorry. I'm just not doing that. You know what well, I mean? That's the thing, man. The vaccine, from what I'm hearing, is going to play a crucial role in live shows returning. Uh-huh. Uh, all of us getting on stage. Um, and you know what, man? At the end of the day, if I'm going to get sick or die from a fucking vaccine shot. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm going to check out somehow, some way anyway, right? No, and I, the way I put it, if I'm not dead yet, I'm doing something right. Oh, so, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know how I'm alive still in it either. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing, man. I, I want to see live shows return, and I want to help yeah. that. I want to help that, and do what I get going to do. And um, sure, I, I want to see my friends. I want to get on stage. I want to play music. I want to be in a room writing music with people. Fuck yeah, dude! You know, and if the vaccine's the way to do that, so be it. Um, yeah. Which is fine, and that's the way I see it. You know, I I've, I've been prolonging the shot just to see those third arms come out of people and. <laughs> Yeah, see what's going on, but grow a little Doberman tail. <laughs> yeah, right, man. So that's you know kind of where I'm at, and um, you know I'll get it. And you know, again, I don't know if I've been hearing a lot of people getting sick from the shot. I've been hearing a lot of people not getting sick from the shot. Me too. I, I hear both. 
I've heard that if you had COVID, you're going to get really sick again, which is kind of, I'm like, fuck, man, I don't want to do this again. Of course not. You know, um, you know, but on the flip side, if it's a day or two of that, I could tough that out. I'm, I, you know, I'm cool with that. So you toughed out COVID. Yeah, man. Um, and, you know, my other questions are, how long does this shot last? That's also up in the air. Six months, they're saying, some people. But it all depends on where you look. So you don't know why. That's why it's like uh, my answer to the whole thing at the end of the day is, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know. I don't know. What I do know is I want to play music again. I want to be on that stage. I want to be in the studio. And uh, so be it. And you know what? I put far worse shit than that in my body over the years. So Uh, You and me both, dude. (laughs) You and me both. A thousand <laughs> times over. Yeah, okay. I think that's why maybe I'm lucky. I don't really get sick anymore at all. I don't, you know, maybe that's why I didn't get it. I, I don't know. I don't know. Almost people seem like they don't get it. I don't know. I think if you wash your hands too much, you know. It's funny, man. When COVID first started happening, I, I'll never forget the meme. If you were in this bathroom, you could beat COVID. It was the CBGB toilet. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I've been in there a million times, of course. <laughs> That's true. That's funny. It's true because, God, it, like you mentioned earlier, like you played the limelight. The limelight was a oh. funky place. It's my overall favorite club ever, not just for music, but overall the memories and the debauchery and the great times and the shittiness. My favorite club ever. Yeah, man. I, I guess Lamore. Lamore was my favorite. Of course. Uh, you know, Continental was always, that was always a good gig. Always. Loved going there. You know, um, I mean, there's so many. I remember Fake Lamore. They opened, They tried to open up a Fake Lamore on Staten Island for a minute. Yeah, it didn't work. That didn't work. Staten Island. Who wants to go there? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. Um, you got to cross a bridge and the whole, yeah, fuck that. Yes. Yeah, so, now the virus almost nineteen dollars if you don't have the easy thing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's it, it's. But at the end of the day, it's been a wild ride so far. Good. And uh, hopefully, you know, we get back to it. Hopefully, I'm going to shout out my sponsors. Then we'll do a couple more things real quick, and then I'll stop holding you hostage. Cool. Um, are you a coffee guy or no? I am not at all. All right. How about tea? I am unfortunately not a tea guy either. Iced tea? Iced tea I did, yeah. All right, all right, there you go. <laughs> One of the sponsors, it's, it, they're called Dead Sled Coffee. They're on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. If you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 15% off your order. And any order over 60 bucks is free shipping. But what's cool is they're not like a snooty nose in the air type coffee spot they work with and they sign deals like i don't know if you're a horror guy yeah. but um but they have a nightmare blend that they did they it's all legit legal with um robert england oh cool they did a cane hotter blend cane hotter from friday 13th yeah, 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 yeah. they just did it's a limited edition there's only limited to four thousand bags with each member of kiss um, they just did an Elvira one. Wow. Um, yeah, Elvira, um, Cypress Hill, <laughs> uh, which is just fucking cool. What's in that coffee, man? <laughs> uh, you know what? The last couple of episodes, when they because they came out with it recently, everyone asked that, but I don't think there's any 
THC or anything in it, yeah. even though legally now it probably could be. But um, yeah, they do a lot of shit, a lot of really cool things. They work with musicians and they do like a lot of cool horror stuff. So it's kind of like, I guess, quote unquote fun, but they have like iced coffee and iced tea and all that stuff. But cool. it's just a, it's a local, cool little independent company who my, just my three sponsors are just independently owned you know, businesses. So dead sled coffee on Instagram. And then you might be familiar. They've been around since 1992. One of the last on the block generation records. Oh yeah. I bought many a vinyl there. They are a sponsor of the podcast um, located at 210 Thompson street in the West village in New York city. Um, follow them on Instagram at generation records. And if you can't make it to, they've survived this whole COVID thing so far. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the Manhattan area, Go check out the actual brick and mortar spot because the store rules. But if you can't, they're responsible for my first Iron Maiden uh, bootleg vinyl, which I still own. That that's was- awesome. I think Second Coming Records. Do you remember that spot? Yeah, yeah. On Sullivan Street, it was like right around the block. Was like one of the first things. Do you remember? All right, hold on. Before I get completely off track, but little mental note in the back burner. Um, all right, so go to um, if if you can't if go online to generationrecords.bigcartel.com and you could order stuff online from them. And then last but not least, New Republic Printing yeah. for um, obviously screen printing, embroidery, vinyl stickers, and buttons. Follow them on Instagram at New Republic Printing, newrepublicprinting.net for all your shirt needs. But um, what's awesome about them is there's no setup fees. There are no screen fees, which is ridiculous. And if you get your order delivered to any commercial address, like if you're cool with the guy at the gas station on the corner and you can have something delivered there, it's free UPS ground shipping. So you you can get 10,000 shirts made and have 500 boxes delivered for nothing. Awesome. Which is cool. So Dead Sled Coffee, Generation Records, and New Republic Printing. Thank you for being a sponsor. Do you remember Ciro's CD Cellar in Brooklyn? I don't. Small little spot in Canarsie. No? No. Oh, okay. Zigzag Records? Zigzag, yes. No well. Yes. Yeah. My, yeah. my first Anthrax picture discs bought there. Yeah. I'm still uh, an avid vinyl collector. Um, I never stopped. I sold my whole fucking uh, collection, but when my daughter was first born, that's for I'm like, I get panic. I got a little panicky. I'm like, uh, you know, so I got rid of it. You know, listen, this is a, this is a car payment and my rent or whatever. So I got rid of it and I kicked myself in the ass, but now I'm slowly building up my collection again. And it's funny. I started out with all the old anthrax stuff and, bootlegs and well, yeah well i'll tell you what man you uh send me your address so i'll get you some ma vinyl bpmd vinyl uh it'll be awesome i'll get you to replace that anthrax shirt i'll send you some ma swag nice that'd be awesome dude i'll rock that i'll rock it on the podcast make sure yeah, that, I'll you know. up. sure send me your address oh yeah 100 percent. without a doubt dude cool. now you guys have two full-length records and an ep out are you working on another Record for Metal Allegiance or no? Not at the moment. Um, I'm sure you probably have things in, in the tuck recorded, no? 
we have one song that we did for MA2 that we didn't put on the record um, because I wasn't happy with the, I, I couldn't get the right vocalist for this particular song. Okay. And I have a thing in my head and we demoed it out with a few vocalists and it just wasn't just, it was good, but it wasn't what I was Good hearing. enough for you. I know. It's probably awesome, but like you said, you're too hard on yourself. Yeah, so I, I, we shelved it. And maybe okay. the light of the day. Um, I'll just say the name Maynard. Oh, really? That's what I'm hearing. That's all, that's all, that's all you have to say is Maynard. And um, yeah, just, you know, uh, so we have that. But no, we haven't. Um, we've discussed getting together. We're okay. starting to talk. Um, but we've been busy. I mean, dude, I, I've been busy is an understatement. <laughs> that's a good thing, though, man, especially yeah. nowadays. It's good. So, yeah, no, will there be a third MA record? I hope we'll see. Maybe, um, maybe eventually open ended. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I've been busy with Alex writing for this other project, and I've been um, writing all kinds of shit for other people. Um, I've been doing session work, and you know, I, you know, I, I kind of like to, not that I am, but I love the Brian Wilson approach. I just want to be in a studio, man. Yeah. No, and I love writing. You're not wrong with that. Yeah, I love writing and I love recording. And um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. I know, but Mike, Dave, Alex, and I, we've um, actually a few weeks ago, we, you know, the group text started going off. Hey, what's going on? You know, it was like kind of, you know, one of those. And, yeah. You know, Mike's busy. He just came out with uh, Liquid Tension Experiment. You know, he's on Petrucci's Soul album. Oh, this whole pro, he's on fire. He's got a lot of shit going on right now. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to anything coming down the fucking pike. Yeah. Well, I have an idea for something else, which I started planting the seeds, which I can't talk about. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Yeah. But, um, it's definitely, it's thrash times 10. It's thrash. Good. And, um, you know, so I'm hoping that sees fruition. Uh, we're, we're talking. So like, like you said, I have things tucked away and I'm planning and I'm, I'm sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, cool, man. Well, you want to try all your social media shits and all that stuff? Sure. I'm uh, simply at Mark Mengi and, um, throughout and, um, yeah, man, I'm really only active on Instagram. Okay. Uh, as far as what I'm doing and whatnot, um, Twitter as well. So, at Mark Maggie on Twitter, Metal Allegiance on Instagram. Who yeah. has that page? Uh, we have it. There's a few people. Um, okay. I don't post any of the MA socials. I moderate. I kind of look at it. Right. Um, that's a whole another animal to itself. Right. The socials. Um, once in a blue moon, I'll post something stupid. <laughs> so if okay. you see something stupid on the MA pages, that's probably that's what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but we have people who do that and uh, who post on all the socials and whatnot. You know, I, we told them just to keep it down right now. It's inactive where, you know, you know how many freaking, you know, photos of Gary Holt can one post? Right. Um, you know, so it's just, um, you don't want to, you don't want to put unneeded shit exactly. out. So, exactly. uh, you know, so at, ML, at Metal Allegiance on all socials and uh, at BPMD official on all those socials as well. Yes. Awesome record. Anything, is that just a one-time deal for the BPMD thing? We'll see. You know, we, we were going to do uh, the way. What that, a cool concept that whole record is, man. 
Well, that's again me in the backyard. This time, margaritas wasn't involved. This time, it was just pure. Maybe just shots of tequila. But again, another crazy idea. And I just called up Blitz Strong. Hey, what do you think about? uh, And then he was in, and then this guy's in, and this guy's in, and bam, we're in Pennsylvania doing, you know, it's just the shit just happens, you know. Oh, cool. Man, that's great. But we we signed with Napalm. The record was coming out in June of 2020. We were booked to do all the European festivals and then. Do all this shit and then do a second record and then COVID happened. Of course. Of course. It fucking it's shit in everybody's farina, bro. It did, man. And do we want to do a second record? We do. Um will Napalm want to do a second record? We'll see. Who knows? Who knows? Um yeah. because again, bad timing, man. That record came out. We couldn't support it. And uh we were ready to go, man. We were rearing to go. Yeah. And um that sucks, you know. It sucks, but we're not the only ones. So Testament, go. There's so many bands that put out records that there's nothing we could have done about it. You know, yeah. it was just already financially vested, and you know, and you know, COVID kind of screwed that up for you know. For and, us. And, and and you know, it sucks because you just have to say it is what it is because you have no control. And, and uh, we, you know, we were talking about you know we we did uh, American Made. What if we did you know you know. English made or made in the UK or what if we wrote and did half covers and wrote some tunes, you know, right. all, that was all on the table and we were going to venture it and see what the hell happens. And, yeah. um, because we were in and, um, you know, Blitz, I love that dude to death, man. He's, you know, he became one of my, you know, one of my best friends, man. I talk to him all the time. Yeah. And all busting that goes on between me and him, him from Jersey. Oh, I'm sure. It's all. It He's is, a shit talker. I love it, dude. It is relentless. And I'm you, sure. When you have two personalities like that, just <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. It's great, and we get along great. And um, we want to do it, and we want to do something. Yeah. And um, so I hope so. You know, and it was awesome working with Phil. You know, and I want to work with him again. And sure. um, so we'll see. Good shit. So if now, Pop Records is listening, it's that's on them, man. <laughs> I'll tag him in the post. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome, dude. Well, now this the video itself goes up onto YouTube, and I and I throw it up on just raw on the Brooklyn Blast Furnace group page on Facebook. But audio, it goes everywhere: Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. So on the audio version, whenever I have somebody in a band on, I always like to ask them to end the podcast with a song from your band. So do you want to pick a Metal Allegiance song or a BPMD song or both? And I'll tack it on to the end of the audio version of this podcast. Sure. Let's go. Um, your episode, your band, your choice, my man. Let's go for Metal Allegiance, a song I wrote in Brooklyn. Nice. Um, from the second record, Bound by Silence. That was written in Brooklyn. With John Bush on vocals. John Bush on vocals. Uh, I wrote that whole song in Brooklyn. Nice. Um, were everything, music, words, everything. So I figured that was fitting. It's very fitting. Um, and then for BPMD, let's go with the little wang dang sweet poontang. Oh. <laughs> it sounds good. That's awesome, dude. Awesome. Dude, that, thank you so much for your time. No, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Um, blast talking to you, man. It's nice to talk to a local. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. Now, uh, now, now, when when I when I X out, I'm not I'm not going to record. I just I'm going to X. I'm going to stop the recording, and I just want to talk to you for just two seconds. Sure. All right. All so, right, dude, everybody, support Metal Allegiance. There, there's video, awesome videos on YouTube. The fucking band rules. <coughs> and Mark, you're a good guy, man. Neighborhood guy. This was awesome. And I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Anytime, my man. Anytime, man.